Welcome to Rise Up and Raise Hell, a podcast for people who want to learn more about the goddess, matriarchy, and feminism. We review, analyze, and critique media through a feminist literary lens, the history of the goddess worship, and how the patriarchy, capitalism, and patriarchal religions have taken over the world. We hope that by understanding our past and how the destruction of the divine feminine has been used to brainwash societies into hating, fearing, and creating separation between humans, we can rise up and bring humanity back into balance with the universe. If being in a woman's body or associated with feminine archetypes is equated to being the devil, then we will seek to raise the fires of hell to cleanse the poison of patriarchy from our sacred mother earth. and welcome back to Rise Up and Raise Hell. My name is Ariana. And I'm Caitlin. And we're kind of resetting the foundations of our podcast this week by talking about all the basic shit. And we say resetting for people who don't know because we literally had an entire podcast before, literally called Rise Up and Raise Hell, this same exact podcast, but we're redoing it. for for all like you know five people who were listening like they're the only ones who will understand that we're restarting everyone else is like what do you mean this is like episode one (laughs) right and we're gonna have a backlog of all of our episodes uh on the patreon for like a dollar that you can listen to if you just want uh i mean they're still good and everything they were just every episode was just not cohesive to the one prior to it and yeah there was a lot of manifestos involved (laughs) (laughs) and they were very passionate and very poignant but like you know we want it to be a little more organic this time around (laughs) right we're just we have a new we are just a little more structured and focused with our podcast this go around which happens with you know growth and progress and growing up (laughs) indeed so our goal, uh, our goal, like our official, we're putting it to the airwaves goal is to be a tool for growth and learning and, you know, to kind of unlearn and to relearn our history since history is always written by whoever wins. Which has been the patriarchy, a.k.a. the masculine dominance of the world for the past 2,000 plus years. So we're trying to re-examine it through a feminist lens um, so we can kind of, I mean, obviously you can pick what you want to believe and you can choose from either version of history, but somewhere in the middle lies the truth, you know? (laughs) Right. So we've done a lot of the research that so that you don't have to. We've gone and like found and bought and read all of the books and made all of the arguments and the thesis so that people who don't have access to these kind of resources or money or just don't have access to this kind of stuff like time, energy to do it, we, two crazy girls, have done so for you. And also some people don't even know that they should research this shit because it's like, if you don't realize that you're existing within a system of oppression, if you think like, oh, I can just keep voting and doing my you know, civic duty and things will change. It's like, no, you can never be truly free unless you 
take down the system that oppressed you to begin with, or unless you realize that you're oppressed. So I think we kind of want to shed light on how we came to be oppressed and how we are currently oppressed for people who think that, oh, like women are doing fine. Everything's fine. Like we're doing better. No, we're not. We're not doing better. (laughs) They just have devised new and more crafty and nuanced ways of keeping women down, keeping black and brown people down, of keeping people who aren't gender conforming down, like, and animals, everyone. They have just found a way to keep their fucking agenda being pushed forward to make sure that they have all the power and that we're never free because we're just cogs in their machine. They just want... We're just here to work for them, basically. And it hasn't always been this way. And it doesn't have to stay this way. We can actually change that. And that's probably the biggest goal of this podcast is to change to change ourselves and to change the people listening and ultimately to change the world. And it's like what we were talking about earlier, the matrix. We want people to see the matrix for what it is and to be able to break out of it. And so many people don't know that they're in the matrix. So we want to, to kind of show you that, like, where am I going with this Ariana? (laughs) Uh, That um, we're seeking to wake people up to like the coding of the matrix. Like, I really like the idea that these, like the patriarchy, capitalism, patriarchal religions, racism, and classism are all programs that are in this matrix system that we are in. And and when we say the matrix, I know that sounds super tin hatty and like Mm -hmm. we are, we are super into conspiracy stuff, but not to the point where we don't believe in voting and like vaccination, but you know, Florida in the water, fuck that shit. Right. Um, and yeah. it's like we we kind of literally sometimes entertain the idea that we are in a simulation, but when we use terms like the matrix and programming, like we we mean metaphorically. <laughs> right. Although it science is very torn. <laughs> they they do say that it's probably not true, but fuck it, who cares? And if you're if you are already in the school that believes in like manifestation and the law of attraction and all that shit, you kind of get the whole matrix thing and you know being the god of your own world and making your own programs and changing the script or jumping timelines all that kind of stuff but if you don't know what the fuck i'm talking about and all of this sounds like crazy talk don't worry we'll get into it in our crazy podcast you're welcome yes yes (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah we and let's go ahead and just say like we're going to say they a lot But what do we mean by they, like the powers that be, the top Mm -hmm. 1%, people like the Rockefellers, all the members of our government, white people, Christianity in general, like, you know, any system that has been built to control people, basically, because I don't think in the current system that there's very many good governing powers out there that have your best interest at heart. I mean, down to like CEOs of corporation, like fucking the CEO of Walmart, whose five grandchildren or whatever have more wealth combined than the entire country, you know? And, and you know, <laughs> Jeff Bezos, like he didn't earn that shit. Fuck him. Billionaire shouldn't exist. Eat the rich tax Amazon. Amen. <laughs> Eat the rich. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Vote Bernie. Can you tell where we stand? <laughs> First of all, I think we wanted to introduce ourselves and just give a, like a little backstory to... If I sound out of breath, it's because I'm pacing, so forgive me. 
I'll try to slow the pacing down a little bit so I can talk without being out of breath. Um, So we wanted to give a little bit of backstory about ourselves and kind of how we arrived to this uh, spiritual semi-ascended destination, I suppose. Um, So do you want to start? Where do I start? I know. I was thinking about this on the drive home today. I'm like, I just, how to put into few words, like we're going to do a whole separate episode where we really dig into it. Where you Okay. Can... So I don't have to start with my childhood where I no. okay with the nightmares and the believing I'm a fairy and having permanent. Okay. I don't have to. Okay. All right. Whatever you want. Speak your truth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, so I've always known that I was a witch. Um, I never fit in with any of my peers. I never got this world. I was never really fucking plugged into it. It didn't work for me for various reasons. Um, doctors, you know, they're fun. They're just like, I don't know. You're just off. I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks. Um, anyway, so, uh, witchcraft, obviously, because I did just, I was raised Christian, couldn't get into it. Didn't understand it because I thought God was really mean to animals. And I just thought that was unfair. Um, PS I've been a vegetarian for like 11 years now. Big shock. Um, yeah. So he treated animals unfairly. So I didn't like that. So I started reading weird books and witchcraft because my parents specifically told me not to do that. So I was like, well, I'm going to go there because everything that they tell me not to do ends up being great. So I'm going to go do that. <laughs> right. Like Harry Potter, you're like, wow, this is like clue number one, that maybe Christianity isn't where it's at. <laughs> right. And like, I was studying witchcraft before then. Like, I, right. Yeah. So uh, you know, and then I was always reading like fantasy books too. So it's, it, it didn't help. Um, my parents, they fucked up. They're like, let's let her read. I'm like, ha ha. <laughs> you, <laughs> you played made yourself. Me, <laughs> you made me smart and inquisitive. You fools. <laughs> uh. yeah. So got into witchcraft about like sixth grade, pretty seriously. Um, I know, and then Caitlin and I met when we were in seventh grade and I was still kind of into magic shit, but definitely into like just fantasy and fairy tales. We were definitely those kids. We didn't have friends. Um, we had each other. Yes, we had each other. And Your volume is kind of going like in and out, by the way, like you'll get really loud and then quiet. Oh shit. Okay. Um, I'll just try and be steady. Okay. <sighs> um, so I remember we read... Did we get out of the Scholastic Book Fair, that fucking Stravaganza City of yes. book? Yes. Yes. So enter the Scholastic Book Fair. More nefarious liberal media to <laughs> turn me into uh, a left pagan witch. Um, <laughs> we read Stravaganza City of Mask, and the prologue of it features a tarot reading. Caitlin and I had never fucking heard of tarot. We didn't know what the fuck it was. We obviously called it tarot. Tarot. <laughs> We pronounced the T at the end because we'd never heard of it before. So we handmade our own tarot cards and they are the best things I've ever done probably to this day. And we used to just read tarot like for each other, making up... In the closet. In the closet in church. (laughs) Yes. In the closet at church because heathens. Yes. Um, And they were pretty accurate. Go intuition. Um, Yeah. And then that escalated... I don't know, like, we were always still, like, weird and magical and trying to find wormholes to go into Middle Earth, you know, whatever details. Um, And then I think I had, like, that really big heartbreak when I was 15, turned atheist, 
And then I watched a video, ironically, in church that was about how blood clots and basically it was like a video to prove God. And this was like one section of it. And I was like, holy shit, this is blowing my fucking mind. And I'm like, okay, I definitely believe in some sort of like higher creation, like intellectual you know, higher power or whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I was like kind of agnostic. And then uh, fast forward to college when I was dating Ryan and I uh, had to like really try to understand the Aquarius man. And I did not because I'd been dating a Capricorn for 10 years. So I ended up throwing myself into astrology and then to prove to him that astrology was real and that he really was a quintessential Aquarius. I had to get very well versed in astrology and therefore tarot. And then I was in a weird pseudo competition with his ex-girlfriend who was also a witch. So while I was trying to outwitch her, I ended up re-becoming a witch and redefining my own spiritual journey. Oh shit. I totally missed the conspiracy theory. Yeah. Train. I was about to say like, but then there was fuck. also Jacob and the fucking zeitgeist. And, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and okay. So parallel to all the witch shit, uh, I got my first job when I was 18 Um, And I started, I worked at a storage unit place and I was there by myself all day, every day. So I'd get on YouTube and then I started finding, so this is 2008 when YouTube wasn't fucking garbage. And I started finding all of these like um, hidden messages of like Disney movies or cartoon movies or whatever. It was like banned commercials and shit like that. So I started watching all that. And then in the suggested, it started having conspiracy theory videos. So then I started watching 9-11 conspiracy theories. And then I learned about the Illuminati. And then I watched the zeitgeist. And I was so fucked up that I didn't watch it for another two years. Then two years later, I think I was on an Adderall binge. And and I was, yeah. And I was with two of my friends and we all took a bunch of Adderall and we watched all three of the Zeitgeist movies in one night and then went to an anime convention like that day. It was great. Um, But yeah, that sent us all down a spiraling path of psychosis. There was a lot of um, doing ecstasy and smoking a lot of weed and doing mushrooms that one time. And it was just like Mm -hmm. deeply spiritually awakening. I fully, you know, jumped on the alternate history route. Um, And Caitlin's story like parallels mine, but like comes in and out. So that's why she's not included in all this uh, right now, but she comes back. I eventually shoved the zeitgeist down her throat. Um, and (laughs) And then she jumps on the crazy train with me and it's a great, a great ride. And then I got, um, on my 22nd birthday on 2012, I had my actual spiritual awakening when we went to 4d by, uh, having my first panic attack at the club. Um, (laughs) and then I never stopped, but that like literally broke me open to be incredibly empathetic and maybe like really, really sensitive and probably like woke up all my fucking empath abilities. So I turned into a completely different person, highly sensitive, highly introverted, highly spiritual, just completely changed my life. So between the drugs, the panic disorder, the conspiracy theories and the witchcraft astrology route, that's how I got here to where I am now. Welcome. Love it. <laughs> Um, you mentioned 4D and I feel like maybe we should like briefly just like explain that. Yes. Um, well, maybe we should have a podcast on it, but they're basically the different, uh, dimensional 
So think of dimensions. I love this. So Jessa Reed on the podcast Soberish, which is mine and Caitlin's fave podcast right now for spiritual shit specifically, um, but also probably in general. Um, mm-hmm. so she describes them as Photoshop layers over the world. So we're in the 3D world, which is, you know, everything that's here and feels real. 4D would be um, like sort of telepathic like the like intuitive like where you start to realize like hey like I can feel what they're feeling but like you don't necessarily trust yourself to say it but you're like you already knew if someone was mad or upset or you know right right and like that's when every like and that makes sense and that happened around 2012 so that's when everybody started like having all these anxiety and depression disorders and didn't want to go out anymore like it's just crazy that I don't know that was just really uh validating to hear that that's the exact time that it happened. And I was like, holy shit, that's exactly when it happened to me. Um, that's wild. But yeah. So this, the thing that she always says, is like, you can kind of hear people's thoughts and you feel like you've always kind of had like really strong intuition and like known that people were giving you bullshit, but it really didn't start until about 2012 when we all kind of started, it started to get way easier to tune into one another And then 5D is the unconditional love. And that happened uh, last year in 2019, around April, which is exactly when I got out of a bad relationship and into my current one. And it's all about unconditional love and partnership. And it's really triggering and fun. So that's fun. Yes. And basically, every time we're all leveling up and that's just because humanity as a whole is um, increasing their conscious awareness Mm -hmm. of themselves and of others. So like a lot of people aren't ready for it, which is why, you know, right now, like what we're talking about isn't going to resonate with people who haven't tapped into like these deeper parts of themselves and deeper knowings. And it's hard to talk to some people because you just can't, you know, vibe. (laughs) Right. Um, So it's almost literally, if you thought about it as um, a radio station, people being on different wavelengths or different frequencies, like you can't hear some people when, you know, there's just like static because you're not tuned in. Um, So you're not going to, you're not going to understand what they're saying unless you attune yourself. So, well, my cat just like ran out from under the couch and bit my foot. All right. (laughs) 3D moments. So but yeah, um, so yeah, we'll get more into that later, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Um, but your so, story, how'd you, yeah. how'd you move from the 3D? <laughs> oh, this, I don't know how to like, okay, I guess I'll just start from like, as a child. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was always introverted and I had a very um, critical father um, who who kind of always made me feel the need to push myself, um, improve myself. So I used to be pretty misogynistic for a female, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. You definitely <laughs> I, had a lot of internalized uh, misogyny. Yeah. Um, so after high school, well, in high school, I was like, let me join RTC. Oh, not only that, I'm going to join the rifle team and start shooting guns. <laughs> and I, I got very good at it. And the competitive aspect was very addictive for me. I really liked 
standing up on that podium and looking down at the boys around me. And I was like, mm, this is good. This is good. I, <laughs> I, I realized at a fairly young age that I greatly enjoyed being better than or equal to men. And my mom always kind of pushed the idea that as a woman in a man's world, you need to be like a man or at least respected by men. So my whole goal throughout my youth was just get approval from men, be respected by men, be like a man, essentially. Um, I never liked to wear dresses. I didn't like to feel super, super feminine. I always wanted to kind of have like this tough you know, vibe because I'm so like soft-spoken and like, you know, blonde, blue eyes, like whatever, you know, it's just like, I always felt like I needed to, to look tough or something so that I could be respected. And when I was in high school, I joined the army and went that whole route. And then the army, the military in general is super brainwashing and I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> um, Say it louder. <laughs> <laughs> it you run around for months chanting about shooting and killing people. I mean, it just becomes so ingrained in you that like you're there to learn to kill people. You're there to basically just just suppress like everything that makes you human and become a part of a whole, which like what a nice concept, except for you're becoming a part of a killing machine. Um, <laughs> so that's not like, super great and when I came out of it I mean Ariana is like you I, d I didn't know you you know I was just so engrossed in that whole mentality and and not only that like I just had this like oh I need to get married I need to have kids I need the house I need the job I'm in the military all American you know like who like all that stuff like it was obnoxious it was fucking obnoxious <laughs> I <sighs> I, I hate to think back on who I was, but at the same time, like I talk about with Ariana, like it was extremely necessary for me so I could like learn my strengths and stuff. And I really had to deal with a lot of, uh, for lack of a better word, daddy issues, which I'm still processing. <laughs> I guess everyone has like a certain degree of it. But as a child, I was super like imaginative and creative and like I wrote stories so it's just this was not me and I didn't realize that it wasn't me I did until <laughs> yeah right but I didn't I'm like this is me this is the best version of me I'm doing great like my dad is so proud of me that is like the pinnacle of achievement right mm -hmm. no <laughs> and, and we didn't have the vocabulary at the time to like understand that that was the underlying cause for this like huge shift in your personality yeah, like I, I thought I was becoming better, but mm -hmm. I was really just getting further from myself. And um, I got married when I was 21 and I moved out to California with him. And I was miserable. And I, I had the dog, I had the house, I had the husband, like the all-American, literal, like Aryan as fuck looking dude, <laughs> tall, blonde, blue eyes. Like I had everything that I thought that I wanted, but I was, I was so deeply unhappy. And, um, I ended up getting out of the military, moving back home to Georgia and Ariana was on like a whole different wavelength than me. She was, <laughs> she was going to rave. She was doing Molly. Like I, you know, we just couldn't really relate, but I mean, of course we'd always be best friends, but I just didn't understand her lifestyle at all. And 
what okay let me think so once I finally decided that I wanted a divorce Mm -hmm. and I really settled into that decision it's like all of the the blocks that I had had built myself with just started like coming down one by one and like I I became myself more and more every day and once we finally got the divorce I moved out and moved in with Ariana and her boyfriend in a apartment and didn't have like any possessions. I left my dog behind and I started doing a lot of Molly. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but more and then, than me, might, might I say. <laughs> but I was so happy. I felt I mean, I just remember being out with a group of friends one night and looking around and thinking to myself, this is living. Like it's not that you're making a good decision. It's not that the world respects you. That's not what makes this good. What makes this good is that this is what you want to do and you're having fun and you don't yeah. care about what people think. And that was a huge thing for me, just caring what people thought of me to the point where it was crippling. And I feel like I liberated myself from that. So that was like phase one of my awakening. Phase two was when Ariana started to get me to watch all these you know, documentaries and it all spiraled down from there. Then, you know, we did shrooms and I was like, oh my God, like everything just started to click. And I realized like, we're all connected. We're all one. 9-11 is a conspiracy. The government <laughs> is out to get you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I realized that everything that I thought was what made you a good, successful person in this life was really just like this really restricting social construct that has was outdated, you know, like people have denied who they really are for so long for the sake of, you know, living out the all American dream or doing what you're supposed to do. Um, so I really found like, I found myself and I found my spirituality in liberating myself from, from what society expected me to do. And it's, it's been great. It's been hard and it was super fun at the beginning. Mm -hmm. It was all fun and drugs and psychedelics <laughs> and just, oh, you only need three hours of sleep before work. It's fine. Like work, I don't really care about work. I don't need money. And you know, that's oh, when you're, 20, remember you're 23 like, years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, this is fine. I mean, it definitely gets harder when you're, you know, approaching 30 and you're like, fuck, I have to like try to put all this into like a tangible, something I can work with and incorporate into my life, which is just completely burdened by bills and adult responsibilities. <laughs> and I can't, yeah, I can't do drugs anymore. Like that was fun, <laughs> but like, Oh my God, the thought of even doing Molly again, makes I me know. grow up. Like I can't, like it was so unhealthy. And I, I just remember the last time I did it and I was like, this is it. I'm done. I'm done. And I was, and yeah, same. Uh, <laughs> can never do that again. So like, I really don't like when when people talk down about drug usage, you know, I really think sometimes it's essential to like really get to the bottom of like who you are and like to kind of almost clear away the debris of the 3D world that you were mm -hmm. trapped in, you know, like it really goes in there and cleans up your brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It rearranges it. <laughs> yes. It rearranges it in the best way that unfortunately makes living in this world feel more frustrating and difficult as you move along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When because you're... it's addictive, like to learn more and yeah. more and more. Cause when you first learn like, Oh, we're all one, everything's great. And it's all love and frequencies. And Oh my God. And you're discovering so many new things. And then you get to a point where you're like, wow, 
Like no one else knows this. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, Ooh, I have a, a circle that understands this, but the world at large is still, mm-hmm. is still very much asleep. Yeah. It, it was really about the connection for me. It was never like, Ooh, let's go get fucked up. It was yeah. like, wow, let's go like meet up with our friends and have these really long spiritual conversations until 9am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey, ATLians, are you looking for a cool job? My boss's company, Natural Nest, is hiring. Here are the basics. We're an all-natural cleaning company that works ITP and the perimeter here to bring environmental health and consciousness to Atlanta. Handmade products and essential oils are used to bring good vibes and holistic health to your home. You should really love cleaning. Getting to see the results of your work is rewarding, and you'll be shown a lot of gratitude from our clients. Unlike folding clothes for hours on end, trying to make sales, or other repetitive part-time jobs. Also, jamming to music, listening to audiobooks, and listening to podcasts at work all day without having to deal with nasty customers is seriously dope. We work Monday through Friday. We start at 8 a.m. and your day is done when you're done, which is usually between 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. You'll start at $10 an hour while training and move up with performance. Our company culture is pretty much that we're into yoga, holistic health, animals, plants, Buddhism, recycling, bikes, human rights, environmentalism, zero waste, composting, gardening, cleansing our chakras, crystals, and tarot. We're those kind of people. We strive to give people the gift of a good home. It's not just about cleaning their house. It's really about your energy that you go into someone's house with. So we're looking for someone who is humble, healthy, holistic, hardworking, and honest. If this sounds like you, please send an email to info at naturalnestatlanta.com. My boss's name is Kat, and she's super, super awesome. I've worked here for like three going on four years, and I've never had a job that I love more, and I've never had a boss that I love more. So if you just need something on the side, if you need a little help, if you just need a, f- a few hours, a few days, a week, we'd love to have you on the team. So be sure to reach out. Thanks so much. So like we were saying at the beginning of this podcast, we, we're going to kind of do... I don't know if we said this, but we talked about that. We were going to say this. We want to do like a Reader's Digest version of basically the beginning of time to now. And when I say Reader's Digest, it's extremely condensed, but we're going to elaborate on stuff as we go along throughout the podcast. And we're going to have additional episodes and research materials and stuff like that available through our Patreon. Um, But basically, we would just want to kind of have like a rundown of what happened. How did we get here? So in the beginning, God hovered over the face of the deep, the deep being the ocean. Um, In the beginning, when the world world was new, (laughs) um, it was covered by a primordial sea. Um, All the creatures that lived within the sea were female creatures, and they reproduced asexually. There's another word for that. I think it's called parathenogenetically something like that yeah yeah. um so there was no there was no peni there was not a dick to be found in this ocean (laughs) 
There was literally only a vagina. So yeah, Charles Darwin postulated that the original uh, lunar rhythm of the ocean was the origin of a woman's menstrual cycle. And you may have noticed, or maybe not, most women seem to have their cycle kind of coinciding with different phases of the moon. Um, we are 75. Yeah. If you haven't noticed, start paying attention. Right. And see when you have your period. A lot of people have it on the full moon, but some people have it on the new moon. Um, we're 75% water. It makes sense. Basically, uh, the penis was just a mechanism that developed over time through evolution as a method for reproduction on land. And also in the beginning, it talks about how God spoke and things were created. He spoke things into existence. And that lines up a lot with the original Om of Hinduism, uh, which is the original sound that created everything in existence. Um, And we kind of want to go through some different parts of the Bible and just show you that the Bible was not actually the original religious text. Like it's not the first time someone told these stories, Um, starting with the ethical... Hmm? Oh, sorry. I just wanted to add about the sound thing that goes along with string theory, which is uh, a very important theory um, for how the world has been created. And, or you could also even say like the big bang, like the sound of the big bang, you Mm, know, yes, that could go along with it too. But generally, you know, quantum theorists, quantum physics um, postulates string theory. Yeah. It has to do with sound. String theory is, that's so interesting. I've always wanted to learn more about string theory. That's one of those like scientific like phrases that I'm always like, ooh, that sounds complex. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is, but there's a really, really good TED talk on it that like explains it. But basically every everything that exists is a literal vibration. So it's like everything's like little musical notes that vibrate to form these shapes and colors and textures that we all are and in oh. another universe, those vibrations would make everything look completely different. So like, yeah, that's a very simplified version of it, but yeah. So basically we're all, I love that. yeah. Yeah. Like music. Yeah. I love that. That makes so much sense too. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of those, I don't know what they're called, but those vibration boards where they tune them to a certain frequency and they put sand on top and the yeah. like higher the frequency, the more complex the geometric, the geometrical pattern. If you've never seen it, give it a Google. It's amazing. Um, so it's like, we're almost at such a high frequency. That's why we're so complex. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like physically. Yeah. But I feel yeah. like if we were to like be like, new, 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 like turn down to a lower frequency, we would just like, you would see us for our geometrical particles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot um, of a lot about string theory that I love and quantum physics. We'll have to get into that. Yes. So moving on with the flow of history. So the Epic of Gilgamesh is basically one of the original flood stories, but there's so many flood stories throughout mm-hmm. the world, which you can be like, oh yeah, that means there was definitely a flood. That's not the point. The point is, is that like the Bible isn't like the only story, just like the same with Easter is really just a Christian adaptation of the celebration of Ishtar and fertility and rebirth. And 
the story of Jesus is really just a retelling of the story of of Isis and Osiris and Horus because Horus was born of a virgin, Isis. I mean, immaculate conception, really. Let's just... Because what did virgin originally mean? Do you remember? Yeah, it just meant like... It's a woman woman unto herself. Yes, exactly. Which means... No which means that she just or, had sovereignty. Yeah, and exactly. She wasn't owned. Yeah, exactly. Um, sovereignty. Like, so you could be married, you could have sex, but um, yeah, sovereignty was the thing. We're not property like how women are seen now. Right. So like, I mean, I don't know who first coined like virginity to mean like, like an unviolated, what is it called? <laughs> Help me out here. Oh. Hymen, 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 yeah, <laughs> a violated hymen, but virgin. <laughs> oh my god, I used to work at an OBGYN. This is sad. Um, that's how irrelevant the hymen is. It was never a topic of conversation in an OBGYN office, anyways. Right. Um, so yeah, like Isis had Horus, who was born of immaculate conception, which was really just because Osiris's dick was chopped off. So it was like, technically there was no actual sperm. Um, And there's the whole goddess brother lover theme um, where there was always a man who was sacrificed. Um, So it's kind of like, what am I trying to say here? Uh, the whole, the reason why she was married to Osiris, like she was a goddess unto herself. And then they basically gave her a husband, which was also her brother. And they would do that because the moon was seen as a sacrifice to the sun. And the sun used to be associated with feminine energy. And that has to do with um, the way that people worshipped their uh, gods and goddesses were kind of flip-flops so that they would worship earth they would worship the earth goddess and they would sacrifice an animal and it would either be like a bull or a pig. A pig would be for the more uh, chthonic, like the more chaotic underworld goddesses and bulls would be sacrificed as, uh, as uh, sacrifices for uh, the sky goddesses. And they would choose the, uh, these bulls and boars because they had, tusk that curved like the moon so the animals that were sacrificed represented the sacrificial moon or the male counterpart to the sun or the goddess right and the tusks pointed down for the underworld and the bull horns pointed up for the uh, sky goddesses right um so in keeping with the whole goddess situation up until about three thousand ish years ago most societies were matrilineal. Matrilineal means that the family name was passed on through the female bloodline. So if the woman's last name was Smith, that would be the name that the the man took. And that was the family name. It didn't pass on through the male. Mm -hmm. Um, Women were priestesses. They were governing officials. They were warriors. Men oftentimes would even stay at home and take care of the, the house and the children because the women were, you know, busy out in the world making shit happen. Um, women were worshipped basically because if you think about it, what was the earliest um, figure that they found? It's like a small, super fertile figure. It was found mm-hmm. in France. It 
was like Stone Age era. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, they didn't understand the fact that if you had sex, the male, the sperm was what impregnated the egg. They just were like, oh my God, these women are just spontaneously growing and popping out humans. (laughs) Yeah. Which is where the concept I think of an immaculate conception even came from. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Because they were just seen as like a portal. Then there's so many symbols throughout ancient history of basically a womb or a vagina because they were like, this is the portal to the spirit realm. Mm -hmm. So women were respected because they were like, they were the closest to the divine. They were the closest connection to the spirit world, which is why they were also so closely linked with death Mm -hmm. because those two were like hand in hand, obviously the spirit realm. Um, So everything kind of started changing when the Aryans or the Indo-Europeans started migrating down from the Northern regions of Europe and Asia. These Indo-Europeans I'm going to also call them Aryans. And you may have been like, oh, I've heard of Aryans before. That's because Nazis claim to be Aryans. And it's just so in keeping with the theme, honestly. They (laughs) worship a male fire or thunder god. Um, There's a lot of speculation as to why it was a fire or thunder god. But most scholars would say it's because in the northern regions of Europe and Asia, there was a lot of volcanic activity. So um, and it was very destructive. So obviously the male god of the Indo-Europeans was a wrathful god, was an angry and violent god, as you can see all throughout the Old Testament. But it's because with the volcanic activity, there was a lot of constant destruction and upheaval of the of the earth. And um, so, you know, the whole concept of like God being on top of a mountain kind of came from that. <clears throat> so they had a patriarchal system, which meant that the family line was carried on through the men. Women were much more subservient and they held lower positions in society. Um, The Indo-Europeans were physically larger and had access to better weaponry than um, the people who inhabited the Tigris and Euphrates and Northern African areas of the world. Um, there's a good book about that called Guns First. What is it called? Uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel. Yeah. Where they really go into why basically white people ended up running the world. And it's because they were able to make steel weaponry when others were using stone weaponry. So it really just came down to them Alien not having... Do what? <laughs> Alien intervention into making of tools. Oh, man. Yes. (laughs) Because me and Ariana believe that Aryans are aliens. Oh, my God. It even rhymes. like (laughs) Um, So basically, there was a slow... Like, it probably happened over a couple thousand years, but a slow and gradual eradication of the rights of women. Like, women slowly began to lose the right to to own land, to buy property, to buy homes. They lost the right to their female lineage. So like if you were to do an ancestry search, I mean, granted, that's a long ways away, but like you can't, you know, you can't find out who the women in your family were unless it's attached to the male. Um, So, and that kind of like leads into the Levite priests of the Bible pause sorry and i don't know anything about this 
Okay. I mean, I know that like the Jews waged war on everybody in like by claiming that it was their promised land or whatever, but. Right. Right. So we're going to bypass the whole, you know, Jews being enslaved by the Egyptians and just jump straight over to the Levites. So the Levite priests of the Old Testament were the only ones who could speak to God. Um, The common people weren't allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies or they weren't allowed to see the Ark of the Covenant. They were never the ones who were told what God's will was. The Levites were the sole interpreters of God's will. So the Levite priests were told by God that Canaan, the entire land of Canaan, which I think is modern day Israel and probably a little bit on the outskirts of that, um, belonged to the Jews. So they interpreted the will of God and the will of God told them to conquer and destroy the, all the villages and all the cities that were in this land and take them for the Lord, your God. Um, and conveniently all of the riches were for the Levite priests to keep. So the Levite priests started to accumulate vast amounts of wealth. They were taking you know, men, women, and children, torturing them, raping the women. And I wanted to read a quick uh, excerpt from Deuteronomy. And there's so many examples of this in the Bible, but I just wanted to read this one passage just to kind of show that it's there. This isn't like some sort of like alternative history, like conspiracy. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 13 through 14. When the Lord your God delivers it, Canaan, into your hand, put to the sword all the men in it. As for the women, the children, the livestock, and everything else in the city, you may take these as plunder for yourselves. And you may use the plunder the Lord your God gives you from your enemies. And I'm like, cool. All right. So, (laughs) right. (laughs) So, women and children are lumped into the same category as livestock and riches. Awesome. Mm -hmm. They're property. So, you know, the Levites basically were saying, God is fine with rape and murder and stealing. This is all great. This is for God's glory. And they would like uh, uh, flower it in church and later in the Bible. And they'll say, take them as your wives. And I'm like, so you force them into a sexual fucking relationship. Got it. I'm like, so right. rape. <laughs> right. So like when I was a kid, I was like, oh, they just married all these people. They just changed families. Now as an adult, I'm like, oh my God, this is sick. And this is why I stopped being a Christian. Like at age four, I was like, why is God doing this? Cause he would go to some towns and say, kill all the men, women, children, and animals and melt the riches or whatever. If he was especially pissy that day, I don't fucking know. And then other times he'd be like, kill all the animals except for the ones that are clean that you could use and sacrifice and then keep the children and the women. It it was like really weird. And I'm like, why is he nice to the animals in some cities and in others, he treats them like shit. And same with the women and children. Like they're not even a part of this. Like they can't help it. But every time I asked why, like why did God choose something different in this verse versus that one? And they're right next to each other. My Sunday school teachers would just basically be like, don't ask questions um, or because God said so. Uh, we don't know. And I'm like, ew. <laughs> right. They just 
don't have answers for it. And it's like, they're so unwilling to adjust their belief system and be like, wow, I reject this because this isn't right. This isn't morally right. Like they're willing to skew their morals because some ancient book that was written by a bunch of rich, powerful priests slash politicians over time, Mm-hmm. You know, they're willing to take that over like their own sense of morality, which I think is the real problem. And that's like just the essence of like blind obedience. And like, you know, it's just like you're putting your own knowledge and your own sense of what's right on the back burner. Um, but so basically after after all that, Jesus appears on the scene and the original Christianity was a lot different than the Christianity that we know today. Uh, one of the first major uh, forms of Christianity was Gnosticism. And there was a lot of different subsects of that, such as like the Cathars or the Bogomils, but they all essentially had the same belief system. So the word Gnostic comes from the root word Gnosis, which is to to gain knowledge from experience. Um, It's beyond the five senses. It's a deep knowing, but it's a knowledge that can only be gained from experience. It's not conceptual knowledge. So they believe that each individual had to reach Gnosis at their own pace and through their own journey. Um, Cathars and Bogomils coexisted with with Muslims and with Jews within their, their townships. And there was no issue because there was no need for them to like flex their religion on someone else because they were like that's your journey i have they believed it was like a sacred right to be on your own journey to uh spirituality they also believed that there was a god of good and a god of evil and this is interesting to me uh they believed that the god of good the good god was the god of the spiritual realm but the god that we have been taught to believe was the only God, the true God, the God of the Old Testament and whatnot, um, was the God of evil. And if you think about it, (laughs) the God that was telling the Levite priests supposedly to go rape and pillage villages was the same God that these Gnostics were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, And they proved just how evil and wicked they could be with their just atrocities against humanity and their complete disregard for human life. Um, around the same time, Catholics started to become become like the dominant religious force in Rome and, and in Spain. And um, that's when like the Crusades and the Spanish Inquisition really started to happen. And they were, their main goal was to go and root out the heathenistic and pagan religions and anything that was blasphemous against the word of God. So they would go from town to town and murder like mass burn pits, all the Muslims, all the Jews, all the Gnostics that they can find. But in particular, they were really after the Gnostics because their version of Christianity was one that you could not use as a method of control. Mm-hmm. on the people because you were basically heretics so they were even yes worse. yes because gnostics did not believe that jesus was a person like an actual like fleshly person they believed that jesus was a spiritual concept mm-hmm. like christ christ consciousness basically yeah 
and uh, that we all carry Christ within us as in like, as a concept, as like the, the spirit of good. Mm, that's um, sort and, of like what Buddhists believe, like they mm-hmm. inner Buddha. Right. There was a lot of Eastern influence and a lot of, a lot of people think that the Gnostics pulled a lot of their belief system from Hinduism and Buddhism because of the, uh, what was it? The Silk Road. Yeah. It kind of went back and forth there. So a lot of like, um, schools of thought like flowed back and forth down that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can trace that through their languages too. Like with the, the Aryans as their religion like went through, you could trace that through the language, like, because Vedic has to be, um, Sanskrit is closer, is easier to translate into Persian and then translate Persian into uh, English than it is to translate Sanskrit into just straight English. So they right. had to have like the way that you can trace history through um, language routes and like the way vowels are formed and shit like that too. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, so the, let's see, the Gnostics believe like we're talking about in reincarnation. This is really interesting to me. They believe that we are in hell. Mm-hmm. that this is hell because the reigning God is the God of evil of this world. It's the material world. And all the Catholics and like the Jews, like they believe that they worship the God of evil. And it's not like they did anything contrary to that belief. I mean, the Catholics were like burning people in massive fire pits and, and you know, torturing and raping. And it was just awful. Like even priests of that time would like document how bad it was and um, how these like soldiers took pleasure in, in torturing and killing. And in, in the, uh, what is it? I don't know if the Vatican was around, but wherever like they had like their headquarters where they had their main like clergy and like priesthood, they would have like, yeah, they would have like, or Rome was the capital. They would just have like big parties and they would like torture people. And it was just sick. You know, it was like, if you would imagine what Satan would be like and what Satan would do, it was everything that the Catholic church did. (laughs) Um, So I think that hasn't changed at all. (laughs) I agree. I think they're just a lot sneakier about it Mm -hmm. now. Um, They're like, we're on a world stage now. Everyone's watching us. We have to do this shit behind closed doors. (laughs) Let's be sneakier about our pedophilia. Exactly. I'm like, has anything really changed? So basically, the Catholic Church eradicated Gnosticism. And if they didn't, then the Gnostic religion kind of had to go underground. And all of this really just kind of came to a head when they burned the Library of Alexandria, mm-hmm. which I feel like I'll always be upset about because holy shit, like Girl. Alexandria, it was like, it was the mecca of of spiritual and philosophical like knowledge and discussion and everyone was so open and just trying to understand consciousness and like they were talking about like the Gnostics were like, we have to level up. Like they believe so strongly in trying to purify their soul. That was the goal of being on this earth because they were like, if we can purify our soul then we don't have to come back here. But if we still have these lessons to learn and if we can't purify our soul, then we're going to have to keep coming back, which is hell. And you wanted to escape it so you could get to the the spiritual realm. Um, also, I just feel itchy at the loss of so many books and 
writings and just so much knowledge that's just gone. Like even as a little kid, when I, I remember reading about the library being birded, I was like, <laughs> I was like, why? I know. I know there's so much history that we can never have access to. So like we're left with pieces that we're trying to put back together. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's basically what any empire does when they come in and conquer like when the Spanish came down to South America and Mexico, they destroyed all of their their like sacred texts and their monuments mm-hmm. because they wanted to, if you erase a culture mm-hmm. that like they lose their power, which is like, I think part of the point of our podcast is like so much of this has been erased from history and we've lost our power because we can't, remember or we don't know what they did to us you know what I mean or like how things used to be and we can't um we can't really truly be connected to who we are and to like the earth and everything there's like a part of how they separated us from like our origins or like our mother even you know what I mean like right, they cut right. the umbilical cord mm-hmm. and so it's like the if they're the ones in charge, they're the ones who are holding whatever bit of evidence they have that's contrary to the story that they're telling us. And the story that they're telling us is that men have always been stronger, that white people have always been stronger and ruled, and this is the way it is, and we and we need these systems of oppression, otherwise we'll collapse into fucking nothingness, I don't know, like anarchy, and anarchy being the crazy version of it where everybody just kills and rapes and slaughters. <laughs> but <laughs> that's stupid because that's what they're doing to us. But yeah. Right. It's worth noting that the main reason that the Gnostics were wiped out by the Catholic Church is because they so strongly believed in their souls being pure that they would not kill. Mm-hmm. And they were complete pacifists. So they, there's like stories of them throwing themselves into the fire because they were like, this is fine, because they felt that they were going to a better place, which not condoning that, but I'm just saying like, they were such a peaceful people. Like what could our world be like, you know, if like that type of ideology had have survived? Now I kind of wanted to get into enclosure and the the birthplace of capitalism. So uh, feel free to take it over from here. So at the same time, all of this is happening with the Catholic Church. We also have um, capitalism that's being kind of born on the backs of religion, on the back of religion. Um, So Christopher Scott Thomas uh, has a book called Pagan Anarchism in it in a lot of detail. And I'll try and just give a quick overview. But basically, um, as Christianity came over to Europe, it started... Um, disrupt or dismantling the pagan religions and the pagan people. And that was very much a tactic for control. It wasn't just that they didn't like the religion. They thought theirs was better. It had a lot mm-hmm. of financial benefit as well. So a lot of us know about like the feudal system that happened in Europe, you know, where the serfs and the lords and how the land was all separated and stuff. Um, so the classes were developed and refined in this time and classism really, really took over in Europe. So the common people were peasants and they worked the land under a local Lord, but it wasn't as bad as it kind of seems like in 
like history books because they actually had a few rights. They had this area of land called the commons and all the peasants could utilize it to um, use however they wanted. Like if they wanted to host their livestock there, like grow their own herbs or grow their own food, like it's fine as long as they took care of the land that was owned by the, um, by the landowners. So that's how pe- the the peasants were able to be self-sufficient because of the commons and it gave them a lot of independence. Um, and so like whenever their lords like did bullshit and were like mean to them, basically they could unionize and tell them to fuck off because they could take care of themselves. So when capitalism comes, um, it's it starts working because of this process called the enclosure. And basically it was fencing off plots of land and declaring them private property. So, and that's, you know, the few stealing from the many, and it's the same thing as sort of manifest destiny that we did, that the colonizers did in America. And with the introduction of private property, we have the destruction of the communal power of peasantry. So basically separation, if you separate the people from the land and you separate people from their own sense of self, then you can start to conquer them. So the peasants are totally fucked up. The land is replaced with capital. And so all these poor people start trying to move to the city so they can find work because they can't make money off the land anymore because it's owned by someone else. So then we have colonialism, which is a promise to the lower classes that they can start anew by going to other places and conquering. And, of course, they have to they have to use racism to perpetuate that because they need an us versus them story. So they say, hey, you guys have lighter skin colors. You don't have a common culture or, you know, story of origin because everybody was pretty independent, and had small little groups of people when they were pagans. But once they're united under capitalism, the only thing they have in common is their skin color, their whiteness, their Europeanness. So they gave them this as a false sense of identity so they could have a false sense of self so that they could have a false sense of superiority other, over the cultures that they were um, taking over. So, and at the same time that this is going on, the Reformation begins, and that's when Christianity really becomes strict, tyrannical, and controlling. They also start the Protestants, which are of like ugh, the villains for real of the story, even more so than the Catholics, I think they really embrace the idea of like the work ethic as a moral tenet and like kind of equate it to Christianity, which is wild because Jesus is a Democrat. Go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, sure, he was a carpenter, but like, calm down. Um, so, oh my God, <laughs> I know. I'm just so he sick was of in the- construction. <laughs> I-, I mean, like. They're just like, he was a good old boy who worked hard and earned his money and pulled himself up by his bootstraps and didn't believe in welfare. What? Okay, Christians. Jesus Christ. (sighs) Anyway, so work ethic, moral tenet, Jesus, 2020. Um, (laughs) Paganism in any form starts to be villainized and criminalized. And that's when witches begin to burn. Um, Which was really a war on women exactly about like because at that time if you were sick you went to your local wise woman or your local healer which could be your next door neighbor and she's been like trained for centuries with like thousands of years of knowledge to back her up on how to cure with like herbs and natural remedies and like midwives 
were considered witches. Yeah. Because there were men graduating from university, but no, no, no. Like the men had to come in and be able to take all those positions so that you had to pay for their services. Mm -hmm. And money, which was fake and made up in capital instead of land or in trade or in goods and services, which is how it used to be. And that was the whole goal. They wanted to separate people from the earth and they wanted to turn all of their energy into working for overlords for the machine and women were deeply associated to the commons, that's where they had their most power. And so if they could, you know, pit the masculine against the feminine, that's how they were really, really doing it. The enclosures were a part of separating man or humans from land and then men from women. Mm -hmm. Um, The governments have always utilized ideas of separation and that's how they conquer us. Like, you know, the whole house divided cannot stand. So basically that's kind of where we are now is uh, how religion got so powerful. um, And it was, and uh, it went from Catholicism to the Protestants and they brought in the work ethic. And then along with the enclosure system and the reformation working hand in hand to separate the people from their old gods and then one another and then the land. And, uh, making them increasingly less and less, less and less self-sufficient, and made them instead reliant on uh, government or people who had power because they took away. They started creating private property, started inventing money, and took away the value and the self-sufficiency of individual people or small groups of people. And if you can separate people, then you can conquer them super easily. Yes. Um, It was was really, it wasn't like, we always hear about like cultures conquering cultures and it's always with their religion conquering the other religion, but uh, this way of doing capitalism and then weaving capitalism within the ethics of Christianity, like really fucking nailed the coffin in for people. Yeah. It's interesting as you were talking about that, I was thinking, you know, people talk about how uh, it's our right to own land, you know, um, to people owning land is freedom. And I'm like, well, it's only freedom if you have the money to own the land, you know. Um, And if everyone can't own land, then you're still participating in a a system of oppression. Right. And And then if you don't pay your taxes... Yeah. And if you don't pay your taxes, uh, see how fast you, that land is fucking yours. Exactly. You're not free if you own land. Um, you still have to work. You have to exchange your time for that land. You're still paying money for it. So you're still basically enslaved. Like if you don't pay your mortgage, the bank will come repossess your house. Mm-hmm. So it's like, cool, you can afford to do that. But because you're choosing to participate in a system that allows you to do that, you're making other people unable to own land or to have a home or to be able to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of privilege that people don't understand or aren't aware of or like can't conceptualize. Right. Ugh. Yeah, it's totally off. Well, it's not off topic, but... <laughs> It's like where I work, you know, um, we're treated pretty badly, but they have us literally all separated into different suites. 
where we only get to talk to each other briefly in the break room. But if we were all able to like come together and we could talk about it, we may go on strike and finally get you know the fair treatment that we want. But they purposefully like they say like oh don't talk to one another about your salaries so that doesn't breed resentment you know what i mean because mm-hmm. if we would really all come together we would see just how fucked over we were being mm-hmm. um and it's like you know a small scale versus a large scale but um That's i guess like really... a capitalistic uh like moral tenet is to keep your workers separated and in a sense of competition yeah whenever people call out there's like a stigma it's like oh like you're leaving all this work for us to do and there's like resentment and stuff and i'm just like you get looked down on if you're not a hard worker and that's like somehow tied into the value of of who you are as a person if you don't if you don't work hard then you're lazy you're not a valuable member of society but it's like well who are you working for like you're and what are you do- every day? Yeah, <laughs> and like, there's a difference between being a fucking slave and working hard. I'm a hard fucking worker, but like, you know, if I need a day off, I need a day off, and that has nothing to do with my work ethic. <laughs> like, right. people have disabilities and like chronic illness, and you, you know, like mental health stuff. Like, what the fuck? Right, and up until recently, and even still now, that was such a stigma. You know, like mm-hmm. you were like so weak or whatever if you had mental health issues, especially if you were to try to use that as a reason to take off work. And we still can't. You know, that's still not a viable excuse not to go into work. And it's just so sad when it's like people have abandoned their humanity and just believe like this is the way to live, like working until you fucking die, like working every day so that you can afford your box to live in and your food to eat until you die. And then you just get your scraps that are owed to you by the government and are sometimes even still barely enough to make ends meet. And you know, like what? (laughs) And not everyone's guaranteed to get a fucking 401k or a pension or social security anyway. Right. So... I kind of wanted to talk about fascism Mm -hmm. and I'm reading some pointers of what's fascism out of um, pagan anarchism by Christopher Scott Thompson. Um, Fascism is an authoritarian ideology that seeks to claim control of the state in order to enforce strict hierarchies upon society. In a fascist ideology, certain people are fit to rule while others are fit to obey. Those who don't fit into either category are fit to be destroyed. Obedience to leaders and submission of the self to the mythic ideal of the nation, the people, or other totalitarian constructs is a key to all fascist movements. And I'm like, holy shit, like if that doesn't sound like America from like day one. Yeah. (laughs) like we're so like oh you got to be a patriot like you're not a patriot if you don't support our government all this shit um fascism sometimes employs racism anti-semitism and anti-immigrant sentiment in its goal of creating monolithic superior culture uh trump mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anarchists fiercely oppose and often wage street battles against fascists um so Essentially, I feel like we're going towards, if we're not already deeply entrenched in a fascist government, (laughs) not only are we like a super capitalistic society, but like now 
like I think it's like the patriarchy like we've talked about like holding on for dear life and just throwing out all the stops like really like trying to incite hatred um amongst people who already have it in their heart like the tiger backed into a quarter yeah and it's just really they're trying to like divide us even more they're starting to realize i think that people are coming together and realizing that hey there's hardly a middle class anymore we're all just working poor Mm -hmm. unless you listen to fox news and are completely brainwashed but you know right and that's another thing like fox news like what the fuck like i just i don't understand these people at all (laughs) you and me both i think it's just selfishness and I guess because we've been so separated from one another and from the fact that we were all interdependent and connected, um, I guess that's where it kind of stems from. <laughs> I, I think that his, I think that Trump being elected, like we, there's just like a million reasons why he got elected. And I hope that that same sense of rebellion in Americans to have someone different than all the rest of the, the, the political pieces of shit that are out there. I hope that same like sentiment of like why a lot of people voted for Trump because they wanted something different. They didn't want a politician or whatever the fuck. I hope that they can do that with Bernie because he's also so different and he's also not a fucking billionaire. He's not buying his way through this election. He's been saying the same shit since forever. Um, I don't know. I just, I hope that we can take that. Like we went, we went as far fucking right as possible. And if anything, I hope that we could see like, wow, this is fucking terrible. We're on a slippery slope to a fucking fascist Nazi Germany 2.0, which we literally have Nazis walking around fucking openly and proudly for some fucking reason in America of all places. I'm like, what? Um, So that's happening. And I just, I hope that it's kind of that like last surge of poison before that we can like expel before we finally like expand out of this terrible system. I'm like, if there's any, like our government is headed one of two ways. We are either going to collapse like fucking ancient Rome, or we're going to revolt and revolutionize like France. So it's kind of like pick which one. And I really hope we make the right choice. And I really hope that people will be on the right side of that, of those choices too. An example of why we need a new system entirely. Bernie's great, but it, even if Bernie gets elected, it's like he'll still be fighting against the system, against the fabricated matrix that's been created, you know? Right. And, and he was, knows that. Yeah. And it's like, he's just one man. And we would hope that people would get on board with him. But even other Democrats aren't on board with him because other Democrats, I mean, as much as we would like to root for them other than, you know, Trump fanatics or Republicans, and they seem to have more of our interests, you know, their best interests or our best interests in mind, 
we need like a new system because it's like, so if Walmart decided to finally pay their employees $15 an hour, mm-hmm. is that a victory? That's not really a victory because you're still saying your time is not worth as much as mine. And I'm not saying that someone who, you know, went to college for 25 years deserves to make like as much money as the cashier. Sure. Like I think that if you work hard for something, you deserve to reap the rewards. However, there's such a vast disparity and there's enough wealth in this world to where we can all be successful and all be super comfortable. And if we're still using a money system, I mean, there's always going to be this problem. And it's like, if you make $15 an hour, shit, that's still not enough to afford anything. You know, the cost, the cost of living still increases every single year. Just in Atlanta alone, rent goes up by like $100 a year. If not and, more. Right. And I saw a statistic the other day. It was like, the cost of housing has increased by 280% since the year like 1940 or 50 or something, while the uh, minimum wage or average wage has only increased by like 20%, you know? Yep. So it's like this not, they aren't, you know, they throw us crumbs and we're happy with it. Like we celebrate victories like that, but they're not real victories. A real victory is that your time and your work is just as valuable, you know, Mm -hmm. that if you are contributing to society, there is no position too low where you shouldn't be able to afford the basic necessities of life. And that's the problem that Enclosure created where where they started making resources for building houses and you know gathering and um uh what I'm trying to say and like making your own food mm-hmm. they made that something th- that you don't have a right to anymore which mm-hmm. like they're basically taking our basic necessities for survival and holding them hostage and not only that saying that some people don't deserve it Right. Like, because they don't possess some sort of fucking random value that they've assigned, which is they don't work hard enough or you're not an able-bodied, rich, white male, basically. And every thing and every little, like, um, every, like, checkmark box that you don't hit in that white, cis, male, able-bodied, like middle upper class, whatever, like come from a good family kind of shit. Like everyone that you don't tick off is basically you taking another loss and it puts you further and further down the ladder and people look down on you for that. Like they think that you're a bad person. Like they genuinely think that you're a bad person if you're a certain color or race or gender or uh, poverty level or, you know, like weight. (laughs) Like if you're not, if you don't live up to some standard of beauty that people have set in power, which no, guess what? Like fucking has to do with what they're going to make money off of, like with beauty products and like industries of self-hating. So. Right. Yeah. It's all fucking connected. Right the the system in power right now makes money off of the backs of people who are basically in slave labor. The fact of the matter is if you work a full-time job and you can't afford an apartment and you have to be on food stamps, you are a slave. 
Mm-hmm. You're not free. You're not living in a free country. And I can't stress that enough. This is not the land of the free at oh, all. No. In no way is this the land of the free. If it were free, then everyone would have access to healthcare, mm-hmm. to a roof over their head, and to food. The fact that we have homelessness is evidence. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I, there's like a quote that I would, I wish I could just drum up, but I just don't think a country is any better than their lowest class citizen. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, if, I think that's uh, Gandhi. Yeah. If, if you are comfortable with the fact that people are sleeping on the street at night, if you're comfortable with the fact as a CEO that your employees are having to use government assistance to feed themselves while you sleep in your mansion with your 15 cars, like that's like, what, what kind of evil is that? That that's evil to me. You should never have to step over a homeless person to like get in your mansion. You know, that, that's what justice always is. Yeah. Exactly. I, I know that is so, I say that all the time now. I know me too. It's like the perfect fucking image. I love it. Right. And like for me personally, like I make what my job considers to be a good wage. And honestly, for my profession, it is one of the higher salaries that you could make. But a few months ago, I had to sell my laptop to make rent. And my boss lives in a fucking castle. Yeah. (laughs) So, and every day that I go into work, I feel resentment because I'm like, I bust my ass. I arguably bust my ass more (laughs) than you do. Mm -hmm. But you don't find me worthy of a more livable wage. And... And that's just greed and just selfishness and just a total disconnect from other people. Right. And that's the, that's the problem of valuing your like what you can contribute to society, like of valuing some people's time more than others. Like if if you are working, if you are a member of this society, you're valuable. It's like back in the old um townships there'd be a blacksmith there'd be you know people who are designated to do the farming like a seamstress like but no one position was considered lower than the other because they all understood that together they made a whole functioning system and they exchanged goods and you weren't you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i tell like i remember i had this conversation with my dad a while back i was like why do you look down on the gas station attendant like who is going to be there to ring up your fucking beer and cigarettes. Like, I mean, sure, we can automate that job away eventually. But like, for now, someone has to be there to take your money. And why do you think that they're not worthy of respect or worthy of like a nice car or a car or to be able to buy a house? Why do they have to live in Section 8 housing? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just so fucked up that you value a human life based on what they're able to contribute to the machine. Exactly. And it's not fair, especially when you don't know like what their background and like, like what got them to the place that they're at now. Like, you know, and I I always think that my story is kind of funny because you know I followed I I played all the rules of the game pretty fucking well and did everything I was supposed to do and I 
like clean houses for $12 an hour, you know, like, and I just have this, like, I'm like, I have a degree, but it's fucking worthless because now employers want you to have like a master's and like five years of experience and blah, blah, blah. But I, I really hope with the age of Aquarius that our value will be, our value as humans will be changed that how money works will be changed with um, cryptocurrency and decentralized banking. And I think that will change a lot. And then a lot of people are worried about um, our robot overlords that I respect and value. Thank you. You're welcome here. Um, But also that robots are taking the lower jobs that people don't want. And people are like, oh my God, the robots are going to take over, but that's going to free humans to be able to like work in different uh, sectors of life, which is the positive part about it. Unfortunately, we're under capitalism. So companies, CEOs, businesses, whatever, are using robots instead of humans so that they don't have to pay and they get nothing but profits. So that's where the disconnect happens. Like robots and AI should be here technology in general. I remember this from the zeitgeist. They talked about like technology should be making it so that humans are more free to pursue higher level, like higher societal information, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like once you get your basic need needs met, then you can start, you know, getting education and travel and like finding out like what your purpose in life is and, you know, starting to spiritually and philosophically evolve. But you can't do that if you're fighting every day to survive. And right now they have us fighting for survival in a world that absolutely does not need to be fighting for survival when there are people who have more money than is even conceivable. And not only that, but the money isn't even fucking real. Like the whole game that they're playing isn't real. They're playing it among themselves. They're playing it off our fucking backs. And because we don't rise up and tell them this is bullshit, we don't want to play this game anymore. We want to be able to fucking live and not just struggle. But they have us so deeply brainwashed like we're so plugged into that fucking matrix. Like we have, we need to rip those cords off and fucking wake up and be like, Oh shit, none of this is real. Like this is fucking monopoly money. Like what are we doing? Why are we letting this happen to us? But they have this that we have to, or we'll fucking die. And that's kind of like the concept of fascism where it's like you play the rules of the game or you die, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no other way. Um, And that's why like I'm really into the idea of um, communes because Mm -hmm. you take all you need in the group is one person who's financially able to, you know, have the credit score, front the money, whatever to get the land. And then once you have the land and you start having more and more people come onto the land, you can treat it like those old townships, you know, pre-enclosure townships where you can have your own food, you can have solar electricity, all those things. And I think, you know, the whole tiny house movement, mm-hmm. I feel like that, honestly, I mean, it's really taking foot because people are like, holy shit, if I have less things, I can do more. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of like the loophole that I think our generation has found in this game. You know, um, it's like, well, if you can't, you know, beat the game. Let's just like find a way around it. And, and they're getting, you know, more liberation in that way. And I think eventually if, if nothing changes, if 
you know, if we continue to have elected officials who want to enslave us with this imaginary dollar, we, I think eventually we may start forming communes as a way to survive, but I feel like eventually they're going to make something like that illegal mm-hmm. somehow. I mean, they don't even let it, you're not even legally allowed to collect your own rainwater, which is psycho. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I'll never forget this story that Rob told me, a friend of mine from McDonough, um, that he knew a guy that was farming on his own land and he was selling his goods, mm-hmm. like a farmer's market situation, but just from his house. And he got shut down by the Department of Agriculture for interfering with interstate commerce. Yep. And I'm like, what the fuck? There's another story I heard of a someone who lived off of Lake Michigan and they had a windmill and they powered their house with this windmill. They got, they got shut down and they had legal action taken against them. What? Like, mm-hmm. I remember seeing, it was like on like a main news channel. I was like, whoa. Um, but yeah, I, they don't want us to be self-sufficient because if we're self-sufficient, then we don't contribute to the machine anymore, which is all that we are to, to the government. We are parts of a machine. Humanity has been decreased to a fucking, to like nuts and bolts. You know what I mean? Like that's how dehumanized we are in their eyes. That's why they don't care when, you know, people die of poverty, when people die because they can't afford their medication because all they care about is the fuel for the machine. And we totally have to do a whole episode on the economy and on money. Yeah. Because I feel like for some people, like if people who haven't already been researching this and we're like, money isn't even real. They're like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, we need to elaborate on that because that's a whole thing. And, uh, and how like a society could work without money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, while, while you're waiting for that episode, go watch the zeitgeist. They have a decent argument, you know, the Venus project and all that. Yes. Those are, that's such a good series to start people out on, honestly. Uh, but anyway, I feel like we've uh, run the course. We did a pretty good initial synopsis of everything. Yeah, and uh, Riku is getting very antsy, and she's ready to have dinner and to go O-U-T. She's going to learn to spell one day, and you're going to start having to say T-U-O. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, she... It's it's ridiculous. Thanks so much for listening to Rise Up and Raise Hell. I'm Ariana. And I'm Caitlin. And we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Rise Up and Raise Hell. You can follow us on Instagram at Rise Up and Raise Hell. You can support the podcast via our Patreon so that we can buy better equipment and spend more time creating stuff for you. Patreon is where you can find the backlog episodes that are deeper and a bit more like intensive lectures. This starts at the $1 level. The transcripts for these episodes are also at the $1 tier. Caitlin will be creating amazing original art and goddess cards that you can collect and use in your personal spiritual practice or just add to your wall collage in your living room. We're going to continue to be adding to the tier, so be sure to check it out. You can also set up a tarot or astrology reading or spiritual counseling mentorship with me, Ariana. My readings start at $13, or in the spirit of being anti-capitalist, we can do trades of books, crystals, services, etc. Shoot me a DM on Instagram at notyourbasicwitch or email me at ariana at notyourbasicwitch.com 
That's A-R-I-A-N-N-A at notyourbasicwitch.com. All right, we'll see you next time. Have a good week.